Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. From Genesis to Revelations, it's all about Jesus. Let me recap the New Testament up until this point. Jesus has come. He has done ministry. He has been killed. God has raised him from the dead. He comes back. He tells the disciples, go to an upper room. The Holy Spirit's coming down. We talked about this last week. Holy Spirit comes down. Peter comes to boldness. Peter preaches the word. 3,000 people get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The early church begins. People get together in community. And all of a sudden, this guy by the name of Saul, everyone say Saul, starts persecuting Christians. He's killing them, thinking that he's doing it for a just cause. If they confess Christ, he is killing them. So in the book of Acts, in our reading plan, God gets his attention. Aren't you, aren't you thankful that God knows how to get our attention? God gets his attention, saves him, fills him with the Holy Spirit, and Paul goes into ministry. Those that he once killed, he's now speaking life over. He's now pointing to the very resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul begins to do ministry. Miracles take place. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. The Bible upon which you read, Paul's responsible for. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 16. Paul's been doing ministry, and then this story takes place. It says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the Spirit, a divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. I love this next line. But Paul, greatly annoyed. You ever been annoyed by someone before? Imagine this lady, she's walking around and she's doing all this stuff. And Paul's like, ah, whatever. And finally, Paul has had enough. And the Bible says he's greatly annoyed. And he turned, and notice here, he said to the Spirit, not to the girl, to the Spirit. He says to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. If I could just pause here for a moment and give you something as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. If you ever come in contact, because it is real, If there's a spirit of God, there's a spirit of evil. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There is a teaching today that is false doctrine. If you want to cast out a demon, can I tell you what you need? You don't need a class. You don't need a person to come in and to do A, B, C, and D to be delivered from a demon. You need a word. The word of God will always cast out a demon. I can't wait for 2022. We're going to do a whole series on demons. Probably around Halloween time, because why not? Okay? So Paul turns, and he says, come out of her. And notice, and he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They're casting out demons. And they're like, hey, man, these guys are just, they're messing things up. How crazy is that? And they teach customs, which are not lawful for us being Romans, to receive or observe. 
Then the multitudes, a lot of people rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them security. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, multiple locations of a prison. We're talking deep down, far away. If you've ever been to Israel, you've seen these. A deep, deep prison. And he fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, oh, I love this. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. When things have got bad, the men of God are singing, worshiping, exalting the name of Jesus deep down in a prison. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say today, you have got to know that there is a God in this world that is with you and for you even in your darkest times. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is that good. If you're taking notes today, I want to speak to you on the subject of a perspective changed by praise. A perspective changed by praise. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. So, Here's some questions that come my way when I'm reading this story this week in our Read Scripture app. How could Paul sing praises and rejoice in God when he's locked up in prison not knowing what his fate is going to be? How does Paul do that? How could he praise God when he wanted to preach in Rome but he goes to bed as a prisoner? How does he do it? Like you read these hard stories in the Bible. I mean, you, you talk about a persecuted church. Like we've talked about this often. The church of Jesus Christ today, at least in Western culture, at least where we are in San Luis, we are not a persecuted church. Like you gotta remember, the persecuted church found here in the Bible, they were being killed for their faith like we see in third world nations. That's why missions is so important. They were being killed. We, we don't, when we read these stories, it's really hard for us to grasp this, this, this depth of a man who was simply preaching the gospel, who simply cast a demon out of a young girl who was oppressed, that a multitude of people would say, you're actually the devil, we're throwing you in prison. It's a crazy thing. But then you have Paul going, hey, no big deal. You could throw me in prison, I can be in Rome preaching, I'm still going to worship God. How does he do it? I think it's a matter of perspective. Would you look at your neighbor real quick and say it's a matter of perspective? I love how Vanessa looked right to her right and to her left and she spoke across the room. Okay, so what does perspective mean? Okay, perspective simply put is how you see something. Okay, remember back in the day when they had that picture that went up on the web, on the webs, on the interwebs? Remember when it went up on social media? It was, was is the dress black or is it blue or is it gold? Do you guys remember that? And then it turned into a shoe. Well, that's kind of past. I want to talk about perspective differently because, you know, it's football season. And around here, we, we talk a little bit about it. I might be wearing Raiders colors intentionally because we've lost two games in a row. <laughs> and so things are going wrong. But I, I have a funny perspective when it comes to, uh, to football. Now, I might step on some toes right here, but that's okay. Everyone say, it's okay, Pastor Rich, you can do that. Oh, you guys gladly did that. 
In football season, here's where the stepping on the toes part comes. It amazes me how many non-athletes described what a high caliber athlete does on a football field and the person sitting on the couch has the nerve and the audacity to call that person a name because they missed an assignment. It blows my mind because from my perspective, if you've never played at that level, you have no clue. You just don't. Have you ever gone and watched football with someone who is consistently yelling at the TV? Anybody? It's depressing. It's bad. It's like, I don't even want to stay. I'm like, if, if, when a person starts doing that, I'm like, you have no idea what it is to be an athlete. You're sitting on the couch watching a sport. These guys are the best of the best in the world playing on a level that we all in this room cannot comprehend. It's a matter of perspective. People see things differently. Now, if, you're, if your toe was stepped on a little bit right here, and I've offended you, I apologize. But as the Bible says, am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? It's a matter of perspective. Paul has a perspective that is different to maybe what our perspective would be when we have difficult times. He was great at it. Look at Philippians chapter 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Everyone say always. In the good and the bad, rejoice in the Lord. Then he goes, I will say it again. It's as if he said it in church and no one heard him. Rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. That your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's writing this in a prison cell in a separate story than the one that we just read. This isn't the first time Paul has been in prison. You want to talk about perspective. He literally says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says, the Lord is near. God is always near to you in your toughest times. He's never far. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. That means you can pray a prayer that sounds very hard and do it with a thankful heart. Like when you want to bless someone who's persecuting you. God, I mm, bless them. You got to do it with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. If you've been at this church long enough, you know my, my thoughts on peace. Peace is better than understanding. The trial you're going through that you don't understand, that you're trying to understand, does not need to be understood. You just need the peace of God because it is better than your understanding. So, so Paul says it transcends your understanding and it will guard your hearts and your minds. Man, aren't you thankful that God cares about your thoughts? It'll guard your minds. Now, the time in which Paul wrote these words is very important for us to understand. Because one of the, one of the goals that Paul had is Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. Remember, he got saved, radically saved. God got his attention, knocked him off a horse, blinded him, got filled with the Holy Spirit, went out into ministry, disappeared on an island for a time. Paul said, when I preach, I want to do it in Rome. Why is that so important? 
it's so important because in the times of the Bible, specifically Paul's life, he knew that he, if he could reach the leaders in Rome, which were most of the, the high commerce was or the high influence was, Paul understood that if I could preach in Rome, I could spread the gospel in ways that no one else could. Because that's where a lot of the information and all of the stuff began to take place. So that's his goal. You ever had a goal before? His goal is, okay, I got to preach. So his, his big dream was to go to Rome and preach. The problem is he actually made it to Rome. But not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. You ever had a dream go wrong? You ever thought something was going to be what you thought it was going to be until you got there? Have you ever put an expectation upon an event or someone and they've, they've let you down? Paul, he, he's probably let down. He's writing a letter to the Philippians under 24-hour-a-day house arrest in a deep prison. He's locked up nonstop to a Roman guard. He's awaiting trial month after month after month is going by. He has no idea what's going to happen to him. He doesn't know if he's going to be executed. He's sitting down in the inner deep depths of a prison cell wondering what is going on. Yet he says, rejoice and be anxious of nothing. I know I'm driving this point home today. That's because our perspective needs to be changed by praise. Your perspective will not be changed by a negative attitude. Your, your perspective will not be changed. Matter of fact, it won't be changed without anything. Only the power of Jesus. Only God's word. Paul says, rejoice. Now, he could have looked at the situation at face value and said, this is really bad. This isn't good. Matter of fact, I deserve to feel the way that I feel right now. I'm in prison, and I don't know if I'm going to die. I want to show you a, a passage of Scripture. And um, if you've been with us for any length of time, this might be a little bit of recap for you. But it's from the translation of the B. P-V. Like you have the NIV, you have the New King James, you have the message. This one's called the B-P-V. It's what's known as the bad perspective version. It goes like this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me, it really stinks. God has let me down. Matter of fact, I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, with a depression, with hopelessness, and because of what I've gone through, this is the Apostle Paul, this is the bad perspective version, because of what I've gone through, I'm quitting my table for six. <laughs> Matter of fact, for some, my table for eight. I'm done, and I'm leaving church. That's what I call the bad perspective version. Have you ever, ever made up your own verses to the BPV? God, you, you must not know what I'm going through, Lord. You know what? Forget it. I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing on Instagram and Twitter. I'm just going to take that little red flag icon, and I'm going to put it on my status. You all see that going around? It's quite funny. It's like when a person says, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Red flag! 
Red flag, not good. I don't need to put God first. Red flag again, not good. Some of you ask me, matter of fact, when you leave church today, now when you leave church, if Colette was here, I know she's watching online, she would hop on her phone right now to look this up. But you should seriously go look up the red flag craze that's going around in social media right now. So pretty much what they do is they make a statement, like, I'll give you one, okay? Um, the LA Dodgers are going to win the World Series. Red flag. It's not going to happen. Caution. Red flag. And listen, some of us, man, we, we've, got, we've got the red flag going on in some areas in our life. And what needs to happen is when your mind starts to go to the negative side of your problems, you need to put up a red flag. And you need to turn your attention to God's word. You need to look at Philippians chapter one. Look what it says. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This is Paul speaking. As a result, it has become clear that throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ and because of my chains. Uh-oh, pause, hold. I told you I was a little excited today. Can you tell? Because of my chains? Because of my chains. Uh-oh. This Apostle Paul guy, man, he's got some perspective. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Because of my chains. I'm here to tell you that your struggle, what you're going through, whatever your chain is, can speak life over people. But it's all determined on your perspective. I can either be bad, or I can say because of my chains, God can take this moment in my life and he can turn it for the good because of my change. So let me ask you a question and then I'll give you the answer. How do I change my perspective? How do I change it? Let me give you just one of the ways. I want you to begin to think of what you do have going for you instead of what you don't. That is how you're gonna change your perspective. Let me get a little bit more detail. I have a God who is for me. I have Jesus in my heart. For me personally, I've got a beautiful wife, a smart wife, an intelligent wife. She runs this whole place, not me. I've got two healthy boys and a baby girl. I have a family who actually wants something to do with me. If you know where I've come from, that's a really, really big deal. I have a purpose in being a pastor and a shepherd, and it's not just my last name. I have friends to live life with. I have a passion for people. I have hobbies that bring me great joy and great rest. I could sit back and say all the negative stuff I want and think about what I don't have and miss on the fact of what I do have. Friends, can I just tell you in this moment, think about the things that you do have instead of what you don't. That'll change your perspective quick. I'll give you a good one. You just took a breath. I don't mean this rudely. 
But I'll say with authority, your next breath is at the command of God. And it's not just a catchphrase. That means if you're not dead, God is not done. So it doesn't matter what's going on in your life that you think is defeating you. You have a God who is for you. So therefore, you've got a reason to have a great perspective. Yes, things are challenging. Yes, things are difficult. Yes, things are hard. But God is good. And you are being so much more quiet than I am. That is a great place to say amen. amen. That sounded good. Now, I don't need it for validation, but sometimes you all need to say no. I do got something. Come on, take inventory of this past week. Where's your mind been? Come on, where's it been? Man, I'm getting ready to put on like a coach's hat. Mm. Come on, where's your mind been? Where's your heart been? Have you spent your week complaining about everything? Stop being a complainer. I don't want to be a mean coach. Have you been worrying? Stop worrying. Jesus said don't do it. Have you been pointing out everybody else? It's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault instead of looking here? Stop that. You're sabotaging your life. Well, if I just had the opportunities they had, my life wouldn't be this way. Or maybe they paid their dues with character and hard work and God promoted it. And maybe God in his loving kindness says, I need to develop some things inside of you before I can put you over here. I did not plan any of this. I'm telling you, friends, your perspective matters. And you need to, man, listen, if all you did today was go home and say, man, that guy's crazy, which you can do that, that's fine. I'm all right with that. But if all you did was go home today and pull out one piece of paper and say, what do I have in my life right now that is for me? Even if you could just write down one, you're blessed. You say, my husband annoys me. Pray for him. A lot. You see, my kids want nothing to do with me. Pray for them. Let God restore it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of my job. Then pray for a new one. Can I tell you how many times as a pastor I put out a request for prayer requests and how many people respond to me? I'm not taking a dig. I'm just saying, if you're not believing God for something every single day that you live and walk and breathe, you are missing out on the greatness of God. And maybe that's why God doesn't seem great. It's because you're not believing him to do something daily. Could it just be that your perspective needs to be changed? I know this. My perspective needs to be changed. I, I can remember when God got my attention on my perspective. As a pastor, I, I, feel, I feel that people would rather follow a pastor who's real than a pastor who's always right or proclaims to be something he's not. I hate it. I get, I get, listen, I get said a lot too, you shouldn't be so vulnerable. And while I respect what's being said, I think what is missing is the fact that when you're relatable 
and you're willing to open up your life to people, not for a poor me, I don't need that, but when I could be relatable, what it says to people, whether you're here today, joining online, or whatever the case may be, is that my pastor, he understands. So I could remember when God had to change my perspective. And many of you have heard me say this before. There was a season in my life that until I confessed to my wife and to my pastor that I was in deep anxiety and deep depression on a weekly basis that no one knew about. I knew my wife could tell, but I knew my pastor couldn't. And I hid it as much as I could. I suffered great loss, just like many of you have suffered great loss, but I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I would drive back and forth to Bakersfield, California on Thursdays for staff meetings. And my anxiety and depression would be so deep and so heavy that I would pull off to the side of the road and I would weep and my hands would shake and my body would shake because I could not deal with my anxiety and my depression. I couldn't even vocalize it to her. I had to send it to her in a text message. Week after week after week after week, I would pull off in Lost Hills, California, or right on the five, and I would break down. And my perspective became so negative so hurt that I laid in it and I sat in it and it was destroying me. Vanessa would say to me, why, why are you so on edge? And she had every right to. And let me speak to the gentleman in this room. If your wife calls something out in you, can you just please assume the best? that they have your best interest in mind, and that the Bible says that when God calls man and woman together, that the two become one. And can you just understand that sometimes they see something you don't see? Stop trying to be an authoritarian in the, in the relationship. I've learned the Holy Spirit speaks through my wife a lot. Sometimes I'm like, man, you're good. I had to change my perspective. And here's why my perspective was bad. I lied to myself and I said, I can't tell my wife nor my pastor, let alone my church, that I'm dealing with anxiety and depression. That was the wrong perspective. So I changed my perspective. The Bible says that the righteous, the fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. That's a great verse, but if you don't read the verse before it, it doesn't make any sense. It says to confess your faults one to another that you may be whole and healed. The, right, the fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Okay, so you've heard me say this. My forgiveness comes from God. My wholeness comes from you. That's what the scripture says. So while I was forgiven, I was not whole. So I had to confess because Jesus said, don't worry. Did he not? Did you know that Jesus actually said, you're okay to worry about this? No, he said, do not worry. That means it's a command. 
That means if you choose to wallow in your worry, it is sin. And it will destroy you. I did it. I'm allowed to have this. And so I had to confess it. And I even remember telling my pastor. I said, Pastor, I've been dealing with this. And I haven't been myself. And I've been faking it. And I'm tired. And I tell you what, the minute that I did that, the minute that I told Vanessa, I still have the text message today on my phone, her response to me. I still have the words of my pastor saying, Rich, it's okay to get help. Just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you can't get help. You go get help. You go see a counselor. <gasps> yeah, we don't like to preach that in, in church circles, do we? Yet the Bible says if you want to be wise, hang with the... Those people seem pretty wise. I changed my perspective. Friend, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what problems you may have. I do know you have so much more going for you than you do having against you. Because God is that good. Don't just look at the wrong. Look at what's going right. I'll give you one thing. If you go home today and you grab that piece of paper, what's the one thing that I have going for me right now? Here it is. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Good enough. I'll give you number two. I answered an altar call. I raised my hand. I gave my life to Christ. I'm saved. I'm making heaven. That's a good one. Like, are you kidding me? You can take everything I own. Don't care. Jesus got me. I gave my life to Christ. I prayed the sinner's prayer. If I breathe my last breath on this earth, I'm standing before a loving God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. I don't care if I've got a mansion. I don't care if I've got a shack. As long as they have some CrossFit equipment, I'm good. <laughs> I did that for you. Paul, Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I'm here to tell you, your praise will change your perspective. Everyone say praise. 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 All right. I got to bring this to a close. Let me answer two questions as Nate comes. Two questions. First question is going to be, what do we need to know? Next question is going to be, what do we need to do? What do I need to know? What do I need to do? James says, don't only be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Okay, so what do I need to know? Here's what I need to know. You can write this down. With problems, praise changes our perspective. That's what you need to know. I've taken 32 minutes, 44 seconds to get you to that point right there. Your praise will change your perspective. Sounds really good, huh? All right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty of it. What do I need to do? If praise changes my perspective, what do I need to do? Write this down. You need to walk through the process of problems. You gotta walk through it. You can't run from your problems. You can't run from the issues. If you need something fixed, you gotta hit it straight on. You gotta deal with your problems. See, most people, 
they fail to see how God uses problems for good in their lives. So then they react foolishly and they resent their problems. Rather, rather, rather than pausing to consider what benefit their problems might bring. Can I give you a quote? You've heard it said before. God is far more interested in your character than he is your comfort. God's not always going to make you feel good. The Holy Spirit's going to put a finger on areas. My friend Mike and Sharon, they're here today. Man, it's so good to have you back on the Central Coast. The first time I ever ate lunch with this man, the first time, Olive Garden, still remember it. He shared with me his testimony. Is it okay if I share just a portion of it? He said this, I've got a temper problem. And I thought to myself, me too. And he said how God saved him and how God started to help his problem of his temper and how God restored him. And God has used this man in ways that hopefully you guys are going to find out the next coming months that I know of that is mind-blowing. He had a problem, God fixed it, and God used him in such a way. It's unbelievable. We're going to baptize after service today. By the way, when we're done with service today, you guys don't get to leave. I'm just letting you know right now. We're walking right out of these doors. No joke, no joke, seriously. We're walking right out these doors. We're going straight over to this, this yard right here. We've got a baptism tank ready. Gay's getting baptized today because baptism is an outward expression of an inward work. She's going down one person, but she's coming up another person. And the reason that happened is because she had a problem and it was called sin and God saved her and set her free and she's getting baptized today. So we're going to go outside. Yeah, yeah, I like that. We're going to go outside because guess what? House, 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 house is park school. People are across that street. We're a neighborhood church. So I figured, why don't we go outside and baptize someone and make some noise and make them wonder what in the world is going on at that church. She had a problem. It was called sin. God saved her. Mike had a problem. It was called sin. God saved her. You have a problem, but God answered it in the way of Jesus. Woo! That list is looking good. Why? Because God is more concerned with your character. Your comfort. He's going to push on things. Do not be surprised if you leave here today saying, you know what? I'm going to allow God to deal with my problems. And you face it right when you walk out them doors. Because the enemy, like the Bible says, the seed is sown. The enemy comes right away to take the word. The enemy's going to come and try today to say, oh, you don't have to listen to that. Just live with your problems. Keep that bad perspective. You have every right to be negative. You have every right to be hurt. You watch. And then we have the word. So, Four ways God can use problems in your life. This is good. We're going to go through them quick. Number one, God uses problems to direct you. If you're not a note taker, follow me on social media. I'm going to post this today, but I do want to encourage you. You should probably take notes because I guarantee you might not have a memory like you think you have. And the older you get, you will find it goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. God uses problems to direct you. Sometimes God is going to use a problem to light a fire under you to get you moving. Remember, he's God the Father. Problems often point us in a new direction and they motivate us for change. So the question for you, is God trying to get your attention? Look at Proverbs 20, 30, okay? 
Blows that hurt cleanse away evil. That's good. As do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Don't be surprised if a problem directs you to change. Number two, God uses problems to inspect you. I came across this example. I think it makes sense. People, they're like tea bags. If you want to know what's inside of them, just drop them in some hot water. I thought that'd be cute. It sounds funny, but I went for it anyways, because I'm okay looking like a fool up on this stage. Turn the heat up in someone's life. What's on the inside always comes out. That's why when the pressure becomes so much, have you ever responded in a way you thought you never would? It was in you. The pressure forced it out of you. Problems will do that. James chapter 1 verse 2. When you have many kinds of troubles, thanks James, many, you should be full of joy because you know that these troubles test your faith. And this will give you patience. Your problems will serve you. They'll test you, but they'll give you patience. Number three, God uses problems to correct you. There are some lessons in life that you will only learn through pain and through failure. You have to experience it. You have to go through it. It's funny how we only value something when it's gone, huh? You ever had food poisoning before? Anybody? Have you ever listened to the words you're saying to God while you're sick with food poisoning? God, I will never eat that again. God, I will eat vegetables. God, I will go on a diet. God, I will drink only water. God, 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 God. Just please take this away. Please, 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 please. Am I the only one who's ever done this before? <laughs> it's like, please, God, help. Two weeks later, right back to the old way of eating, man. It's funny. When we lose something, we act differently. God uses problems to correct. I love Psalm 119, verse 71. NIV, it was the best thing that could have happened to me for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. Sometimes the best thing to happen to you is a problem. Number four, God uses problems to perfect you. Problems, when responded to correctly, are character builders. I love Psalm 119 from the message version. Look at this. My troubles turned out all for the best. They forced me to learn from your textbook, the Bible. The truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. I love how they, I love that one. Sometimes the Message Bible is a good little one to kind of throw in there every once in a while. God's into perfecting you. We know the scripture that until your time is done on this earth, God is consistently perfecting you. And friends, can I just tell you, let him do it. Let God chip away at all the little areas in your life to perfect you, to mold you, and to shape you. I know at times it doesn't always feel good. I get it, and sometimes we don't always understand it. But when we allow God to do that, it's amazing what happens in our lives. We're all in different places. We've got college students. We've got the young. We've got the seasoned. We've got, we've got, 
We've got all these different, and I guarantee you from the young to the old, parentheses, seasoned, I, I, I guarantee you we can talk about a time where God used a problem and it made us better. It's all a matter of perspective. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.